This is the best of investing on 860 AM, The Answer. The show that brings you valuable information about real estate, the financial markets, and other economic business of the day. Your host, Edward Brown, is a nationally recognized expert on money and investing who has appeared on CNN and has published numerous articles in national business magazines and newspapers. Now, your host for the best of investing, Edward Brown. Welcome. You're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown. Our phone number is 888-912-1190. Use that number to answer the trivia questions for a five-pack tanning certificate given away during the show. That certificate's not sponsored by the radio station, but by Tan Bella Tanning Salon with two locations in San Francisco and one in Marin. Today's trivia theme is the 1980s. And today we do have a special guest, Shannon Robnett. Uh, with over 25 years of experience, Shannon has been involved from start to finish on over $350 million in construction projects such as multifamily, professional office buildings, to city halls, fire police stations, schools, industrial projects, and mini storage. Well, that's a lot. And along with his knowledgeable team at Shannon Robnett uh, Industries, Shannon is dedicated to sharing his experience and delivering top quality projects that bring numerous passive income streams to his syndicate partners. Uh, Shannon, welcome to the Best of Investing. Hey, thank you, Edward. Happy to be here. Good. All right. So uh, first of all, how did you get started in this business? Well, I was born into the business, so I started at a very young age. Uh, My father was a a real estate developer, and my mother was a third-generation real estate broker. I got my license uh, my son also has his. So there's five generations of real estate brokers in my family. Wow. Okay. Uh, excellent. Um, how long ago was that? Uh, you told us that's 25 years ago. So, did- Well, I've had my own businesses and companies for 27 years. Okay. And uh, so, you know, there came a time when I could no longer be an indentured servant of the house <laughs> and uh, emancipated myself and went to uh, – look at college and I just couldn't see myself going there for another four years when my brother was building single family homes. And in 1992, 93 with no college education was making about 50 grand a year, uh, swinging a hammer and, uh, you know, building houses. And so I quickly decided that, you know what, that wasn't for me. And then I decided shortly thereafter, after building several single family homes that I really didn't like homeowners. And so I started in the commercial trades and began to build large-scale projects was uh, involved, like you said, in city halls and fire stations, medical facilities, schools, and things like that. When you started that, though, you you couldn't just start from scratch. Actually, you can. So, you know, as as a general contractor, your job (laughs) is to go out and get the job. So you would get a set of plans. You would get bids on it. You would talk to your favorite drywall guy and plumber Mm -hmm. and all those guys. You'd compile the bids. You'd put together a price. And you'd submit that price to the owner. They liked your price. Then you got the job. And that's really how I got started. So with really uh, nothing more than an office in my home, I was able to work through my business contacts, people I knew, find people that needed projects built, and was able to start there. My first building was about a 9,000 square foot office building. And I was able to uh, build that for a company. Uh, Really, I did that out of my home. And then from there, we kind of launched the company. But as a general contractor, you don't necessarily have the full labor force that one envisions when they think of 
building a house because all you're doing is arranging the schedules, arranging the budgets, the draws, yeah. uh, making sure inspections happen, keep records, things like that. Yeah. You have to uh, make sure you have a sharp pencil because if you, you do, make a mistake, because if you don't, it'll bite you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so now uh, let's, let's start off with the syndication. Uh, it says here you have some syndicated partners. So how, how, does, how did that uh, come about? Well, we can't really start there because I'm, uh, okay. I, I started I started in 2001. I built an industrial complex for myself. The same year, my parents retired at the ripe old age of 50 with enough cash flow to live life the way they wanted. Mm-hmm. And I saw that that was really the way to get to a place that allowed me time freedom, which is really what we all want, right? Sure. So I built this building. I scraped together every dollar I had. I, I, I you know, sold a, uh, you know, a motorcycle. I, I did everything I could. I came up with the four hundred thousand dollars that was necessary to build this project, and I, I got the project done. I filled it full of tenants, and I was there to enjoy the cash flow, which was about, um, it was about three thousand dollars a month, which wasn't a lot for that amount of investment. And I realized yeah. very, very quickly that I had taken every resource that I had and I had squeezed it down to get $3,000 a month. And I quickly realized that that wasn't going to get me very far. And it was going to put me in a precarious position that uh, if I had to put 10 or 15 or $20,000 into a job because something was bid wrong or missed, I didn't have it because I had it all in the real estate, which wasn't very liquid. So that's when I started working with other people where I would find a doctor or a, a lawyer that had cash and we would work together as partners. And that began my syndication. All right. Let's cut to our first commercial break here. Uh, Let's see. Our trivia question uh, has to do with the 1980s. And again, uh, Shannon, if you know the answer, don't say anything yet. When we come back from our break, we'll definitely uh, see if you know the answer to that. Actually, I I have some fairly easy ones this time. Sometimes I ask really hard ones. These are a little bit easier. All right. uh, What, what would the 1980s be without Michael Jackson? Now, what name did he give his estate? All right, that's our trivia question. Call 888-912-1190. The first caller with the correct answer wins that tanning certificate, which, by the way, is worth over $100. Again, here's the trivia question. Uh, Michael Jackson's estate, what was the name of it? All right, stay with us. You're listening to The Best of Investing. Don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back. For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. The best of investing will continue in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. Now, back to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown on 860 AM, The Answer. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. I'm Edward Brown, your host, and my special guest, Shannon Robnett. Uh, first trivia question, the 1980s would not be the 1980s without Michael Jackson. What name did he give his estate? Neverland. Neverland. Very good. Yeah, I figured we'd throw, throw a softball one at you. Okay. Uh, I want to make a quick mention here for the Elk Cove Inn, which is a beautiful boutique inn in the Mendocino Coast. 
you got to check them out. Elkcoveinn.com. Absolutely beautiful. All right, uh, Shannon, we're talking about uh, real estate, how you, you, you're swinging a hammer. You know, it's funny, and you talk about uh, living life the way you want. I, you know, I love work. I can sit and watch it for hours. You know? Right. Um, well, yeah. and that's that, that was what I found in the role of a general contractor, right? I grew yeah. up doing all the work, right? Building cabinets with my dad, laying tile, all those kinds of things. So I knew how to do it. But I also knew yeah. how bad your back hurt once you got done laying the tile floor. Yeah. And so that's really why I picked a general contracting role. And then from there, I, I, came, I kept finding myself that when I was done with the building and finished, and then we had that proud moment in the pictures and everything, and I turned it over to the owner, my income stopped. I was no longer receiving yeah. money from the owner because my job was done. Sure. But the owner continued to receive rents. They continued to see... Uh, all of the benefits of real estate. And so that's really when I began to look at how do I create that wealth for myself? How do I create that reoccurring income, which led me to the project that I did in 2001. Which is kind of interesting because my my brother is a general contractor, just a solo practitioner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's always the challenge of when you're, you know, you've been a job, which is great. You get the job. As you're working the job, though, you got to kind of make sure that the next job is lined up. Right. And that's really, there's no residual income in construction, right? Yeah. There is, there is residual income in the investment side of it with owning the real assets. Exactly. No, no, it's really, uh, uh, okay. So, I mean, uh, that's, that's perfect actually. Um, So then when you start to kind of look at that and go, Hmm, the, the owner of that rental property is now going to be earning the income. Now I want to start doing that. Uh, what, What happened? What was your next step? So like I said, I scraped together enough money. I did the first project. I put myself in a financial position that I didn't really feel comfortable in. And so then I began to seek out others who had the same desire to make money, but they didn't really know anything about real estate or they didn't have time for real estate. So I utilized their money. Uh, We created partnerships. We would do the deal. We'd make money on the deal. We'd split the profits. And I did that until about 2018, very successfully, the last project I did with a single partner was a uh, was a family office, and they wrote checks for about nineteen million dollars. That's oh. a pretty large apartment complex. We sold that in twenty twenty, uh, but but during that process, uh, the family decided that they no longer wanted to be involved together. They decided to kind of do some other things, and so I lost my funding source. And that's really when I began to syndicate. Uh, real estate back in uh, late 2018, early 2019. But at that point, though, you had a track record. I did. And see, that's that's where I'm a bit unusual, right? So you said I jumped into syndicating. I I really syndicating was the last piece of my puzzle where a lot of syndicators raising capital is the first piece of their puzzle. Yeah. And when or, I said jump into it, I didn't, I didn't mean yeah. that was where you yeah. started. I just, I thought That's where I, wanted I, to I just wanted to hit right into it because I was one of the, yep. uh, the, the first topics that you had on there. Yeah. So, and really syndication is, it's just a fancy word for partnership, right? Yeah. You've got the general partner or the sponsor who does all the work, finds the asset, manages the asset, uh, raises the rents, deals with the tenants, deals with the property management, the maintenance, sells the property eventually. And you've got the limited partners, and they're very, very limited. They don't do any of the daily duties. They don't do any of the oversight. They simply provide capital to help yeah, capitalize but, the project. But here's the thing, though, is that there's got to be a lot of trust 
because you as the general partner control everything. Now, That's correct. how did you end up getting to begin with that $19 million family office? I mean, that's that that's pretty amazing for well, not being it is for just a dumb contractor. But the reality was, like you pointed out, I had a track record, right? When I could take them and show them the police department that I built, when I could take them and show them uh, the school that I built, when I could take them and show them projects that I had completed on time, on budget, it really built a lot of trust. Yeah. Then I came to them and I said, here is a need in our city. Here's a need where we've got, you know, here's, here's what vacancy rates are. I was able to really create uh, the picture for them that they said, yes, all we have to do is put up the money. We'll get a bank loan to sub, uh, to, yeah. to help with that. So we got a 65% loan there. We now built that, the project. Let, let me interrupt you for a second, because that was a build it and they will come right. Versus like a police station. I got to think that you, you were under contracts to build a police station. Yeah. So th- that's but kind see, of a different. But there's a totally different d- dynamic going there. So if you're building for somebody and let's say they want you to build a 20,000 square foot office building, yeah, you have a bid for that. Let's say you want to build that for, you know, $3 million, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what that value is at the end. Your contract is for $3 million. When you're building a build it and they will come, you're filling with tenants, adding the value and you as the investor developer pick up that upside potential. Correct. So yeah, but but you are sort of it's you're taking on more risk because you don't know if it's going to get filled up, but you're going to definitely enjoy the benefits. Tell you what, we're cutting to our second commercial break. It goes fast. Uh, second trivia question here is: What famous picture in 1989 was this situation? A lone protester blocking the path of a tank. Where was this picture taken? Right. It's a kind of a kind of a, a special situation that had happened. 1989, a lone protester blocking the path of a tank. Call 888-912-1190. First caller with the correct answer wins that tanning certificate. Stay with us. The Best of Investing. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on 8.60 a.m., The Answer. You're listening to The Best of Investing on 8.60 a.m., The Answer. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Shannon Robnett, our special guest. Uh, Shannon, let's see if you know the answer to this question. Famous picture in 1989, a lone protester blocking the path of a tank. Where did that take place? Tiananmen Square. Tiananmen Square. Very good. If I remember correctly, I think he got run over by the tank. But uh, yeah, uh, that was the unfortunate end. He made it on the cover of Time Magazine too. Yeah, I, I remember that. So, uh, having a good track record is great, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're just going to walk in and get someone to invest nineteen million dollars. So, wh- where where did you meet these people? Well, I met them through another contact, a family uh, member. So it was kind of a warm contact, right? Uh, They had done some investing with them. They knew what they were doing. But again, it really came down to track record reputation. It came down to what the market looked like, how well I could portray to them that I understood the market. Having been in that market for over 35 years, I I really understood it, right? We also, uh, one of the first things we did was we got an appraisal. 
Uh, and that's where you engage a third party that goes out, they sample the market. They came back and they actually said the values were higher than what I said. So now it, it really validated what I was saying. Yeah. And these guys saw it as a great opportunity to take more risks, as you said, Edward, but yeah. also to get a higher than normal return. And so they took that risk. Uh, we built out the project. We were actually extremely successful on it, had yeah. a fantastic exit. Uh, and then we uh, we continued with other syndication partners. We've done, uh, I think, eight or nine syndications since then. We've exited four of them. They've all been uh, above projections. It's been a really fantastic opportunity uh, for passive investors to do very well with doing very little. I wonder uh, why did those rich people call them <laughs> family office uh, after they made so much money with you? Why wouldn't they continue? Well, I don't think it had anything to do with me. I think it had oh. to do with some internal changes in the family office. Mm. Um, and the reality of all of that uh, it's one of those things that we can hypothesize about it, but okay. what it showed me. And then again, uh, Edward, you could take that track record. You can uh -huh. show those returns. Oh, yeah. You can show the returns of all the previous investors that I'd worked with over the last 20 years. You could compile all that. And now I became even more believable, uh, which helped Absolutely. aggregate more capital in the last, since late 2018, we've aggregated over $60 million of investor capital that we've deployed mm -hmm. Uh, and we've had great returns on those, ranging anywhere from 20 to 104 percent. Well, where and generally, where is your market? Uh, we're everywhere from Washington to Florida. Oh, okay. So you are see because that's kind of interesting. You know, uh, the Midwest is going to be totally different than Florida. Uh, yes. How, how do you spread your expertise? Oh. Well, you know, the reality is investing is investing, right? And it all starts with cash flow. So let's take the project we've got going in Florida. It's for an international stone dealer. They did $145 million in sales last year. They're looking for a 40,000 square foot warehouse. I know what the land costs are. I know what the construction costs are because I reached out to a local general contractor and I was able to put that math together and figure out what myself and my investors needed to profit on that property. And I was able to quote them a rent rate. Based on that rent rate, we signed a 10 year lease with a 10-year extension, and then I engaged the general contractor, and we began to build that project. What, what, day, what is your projection a rate of return for your investors on that one? That one will be probably between 15 and 17% on our projections, okay. and that's on a five- to seven-year hold. And the reality is I like to be very realistic in my projections. I'm okay. using things like uh, 8% interest rates. I've always used eight, uh, seven, 8% interest rates. We use cap rates that are historical, not necessarily indicative of the last four or five years when we saw extremely low cap rates and, yeah. and uh, extremely low interest rates. That was great. And I hope everybody took as much advantage of that as they could, but that's not historical. And a lot of people that thought those were the norm are now finding themselves in a lot of trouble Absolutely. Even though they may have executed their business plan perfectly with cap rate expansion, the property's not worth as much. If they've got to refinance it at a higher interest rate, they may need to bring more cash to the table, which can be problematic for the investors. Uh, there's just a lot of scenarios that happen. And that comes from inexperience. You know, well, that 2001 deal that I mentioned was at a 9% interest rate. So when I, when, when everybody talks about the new normal, uh, I just call it uh, what I'm used to. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, the interesting thing is the uh, like the one in Florida. You know, there wasn't a huge amount of risk. It's not like uh, uh, you know some of these office buildings that are empty or shopping centers that are going through its thing because of Amazon and then the economy and all that. So you're, you're you're you're. It sounds like you're being very prudent. Let's put it that way. Well, and it's not that I haven't done stuff like that. You know, I've not I've not lost investors' money. Okay. Uh, knock on wood, right? I have lost my own money, right? Uh, and I've learned lessons from that. But that's what experience will teach you, you know. Um, I've done deals where I've worked for two years and broke even, you know. Uh, but what I learned from that, besides the knots on my head, I learned what to look for. Um, I, I I mentored with people around me that were extremely successful. I tried to streamline that process so that when I was looking at things, I was looking at them through the right lens. And when you do that, you can set yourself up for better investments. It doesn't mean you're going to do a lot of investments, but then again, you're not trying to recoup losses from the previous investments. So you don't need to do as many to be. Well, the the best part is that your, your investors didn't lose money. You were willing to allow yourself to lose the money, which is that's very high integrity. I call it. Uh, All right. We're going to go to our third trivia question here. Uh, January 28th, 1986, the world hears the news of the space shuttle exploding. What was the name of that shuttle? 1986, uh, the space shuttle exploded. All right. Call 888-912-1190. First caller with the correct answer wins that tanning certificate. Stay with us. The best of investing. We'll be right back. For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. The best of investing will continue in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. Now, back to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown on 860 AM, The Answer. Welcome back to the best of investing. Edward Brown here along with Shannon Robnett. Okay. Our third trivia question, January 28th, 1986, the world hears the news of the space shuttle exploding. What was the name of that shuttle? Space shuttle challenger. Challenger. Very good. Three for three. Not bad. I I remember, I remember that day I was in eighth grade and, and school stopped and they rolled in the TVs and we, we spent the rest of the day just absolutely in shock yeah, that something that cataclysmic had happened to the to the U.S. space program. Yeah, yeah. and I, I still remember I was driving to a client. You must, you're a young guy. Uh, I was driving <laughs> to a client's uh, office, and I had the radio on, and they 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 uh, announced it. Uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty terrible. Well, I do want to yeah. mention here for the Alcatraz tours. Uh, you got to check that if you've never been to Alcatraz, and I know, Shannon, you're a little far away from Alcatraz, but for those people who are interested in checking out Alcatraz Island and cruising around the bay, Alcatraz tours, uh, just check, look them up on the Internet. You'll find them. Awesome. And they're very reasonably priced. too. All right. Uh, so, Shannon, we are talking about various uh, construction lending and syndication of real estate. Uh you have a little title here, tax incentivized investing, which uh, I'm gathering has to do with the fact that if you own the real estate, you have depreciation. What else is there? You know, there's a lot of tax advantages to real estate. I mean, you know, let's just talk about income. Uh, you and I, 
we work at uh, J-O-B, right? We get paid, uh, you know, if you're a doctor or if you're a teacher or whatever, your W-2 employee, you're going to be paying taxes and that tax rate can be as high as 37% to the federal government. If you've invested that money and you're receiving that as passive income, the highest tax rate you're going to pay on it is about 22%. So if you're getting passive income, real estate can provide you with a tax advantaged way of receiving income, just like a dividend or anything else. The other thing that real estate allows you to do is when you sell a property, um, you have multiple options on exit on how to defer or in some cases, even eliminate those taxes through 1031 exchange. There's also the lazy 1031 exchange, which you know a lot of people don't know about. And then there's opportunity zones and things like that. So there's other ways that in a tax advantaged way, you can receive benefit, defer the gain and increase your wealth in your portfolio. And a lot of times people don't take advantage of those, which yeah. really turbocharges their ability to appreciate their portfolio. You know, and it's like, cause you're too young to remember this, but I, I remember it. The, it used to be where many, many years ago, you were able to take accelerated depreciation. And when you sold the property, you got capital gain on the whole thing. You didn't have to, there was yeah. no recapture. And then they right. find that, and then they said, well, wait, now, now we're going to just let you recapture. Now you have to recapture the excess over straight line depreciation, all these kind of fancy things, um, which and is then, interesting. And then, shortly, and then shortly after that, they came out with a 1031, which I remember my parents adamantly talking about at the dinner table yeah. because it meant that they didn't have to pay taxes. Now, fast forward 27 or 35 38 years later, my parents have no depreciation left yeah. on any of their properties because yeah. they've used it all. Yeah. Uh, so there's, yeah, but it's a tax deferral strategy that, that definitely works for a lot of people. And I've been kind of faced with that myself because I've had a building for a long time and my depreciation, first of all, my basis was low and then it gets even lower every time I take depreciation. Uh, almost, thank God for 39 and a half years worth, you know, right, right. <laughs> but, but the problem is for me, you know, because I've toyed with the idea of, gee, should I do a 1031 exchange? I know my building fairly well. If I go to a new property, I've got a, a new learning curve and you know, that could be good, but it could be a mistake. And uh... Yeah, here's, here's, an here's a thought process for you called the lazy 1031. And really the lazy 1031, it, it, just to recapture, or just to recap, if you're doing a 1031 and you sell a building for a million dollars, the IRS requires you to spend $1 more than you sold for in your replacement. Right. Or if so, you spend less, you just, if you spend 990, then you pay tax on right. just the difference, but go ahead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you buy a $1 million, $1 property uh, and you had, let's say you had a $600,000 loan and you sold for a million dollars, you replace it, you really haven't gone that far. But if you take that same scenario and let's say you sell in January uh, and you have a $400,000 profit, you're able to um, find a replacement for that in that tax year, spend that money uh, and use depreciation to offset your income moving forward. So in, in doing a, a lazy 1031, you're not faced with the time crunches, but you're getting the same opportunities. And this only really applies to real estate investors who, who do that as a full-time job mm. because there's a requirement that you cannot use depreciation for 
ordinary income unless you're a real estate investor, right? Yeah. But yeah. since that's what I do, my, my full-time business, sure. I'm able to do that. And then when you're buying that new $700,000 property, so you're not increasing your debt, mm-hmm. you're able to do something that allows you to, number one, step up your basis uh, in depreciation. Mm-hmm. You're able to use bonus depreciation the way it is now. And yeah. doing so, you can offset those gains and not have a tax issue. And in some cases, if, now from the passive investor, you've got something called Qubit, which you have to qualify for, uh, ask your CPA, but I think it, I think the number is 351000 of income if you're married, something like that, uh, where our funds at Pacific Private Money, uh, we have three different funds, uh, they all qualify for Qubit, which basically, if you qualify, you don't have to pay tax on 100% of the income, you only have to pay tax on 80%. So it's kind of a, a, a sort of a sheltered way. And it's not a deferral. It's a tax. Sound. Say again. I've What's lost that? my sound. Oh, okay. Well, I can, I can hear you. I, I can hear you fine. <laughs> yeah, I can't hear you. I don't. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. You know what? You're, you're doing fine. Um, we have to get to a break. Like, Stay with us. Yeah. The best of investing. We'll be right back with some closing comments. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to The Best of Investing on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with my special guest, Shannon Robnett. Um, So let's see, we only have a couple of minutes left, Shannon. I know it went pretty fast. Uh, what, what, What else do you want to talk about? Well, you know, the, the thing that I see a lot of people do is they they don't see the value of building wealth in real estate. And the reality is when you apply the tax advantages that are available, you apply the, 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 the benefits of owning an appreciating real asset, um, you can really put yourself in a position to come to a place where later on in life, you've got truly passive income and are able to buy that time freedom back. And I don't think people give enough credence to that. They want to build wealth in their 401k. They want to invest it in the market. They deal with the hot stock tips and none of that is real tangible, but people can use real estate in a way that allows them tax advantage ways to build real wealth that creates ongoing income. Uh, They can even do that inside their 401ks with a self-directed IRA. So there's a lot of ways that real estate provides that value And one of the things that I love to do, Edward, is educate people on a lot of the things that they don't know. And I hear this a lot from people. Why didn't my accountant tell me that? Why didn't my attorney tell me that? Because one of the things that I've done in my lifetime is figured out a lot of the ways that you can use all of these advantages to maximize your potential to make yourself uh, wealthy Uh because you're coming to a source that has a lot of those advantages available. And I've, I've specifically sought out these techniques and things like that. We use tax advisors, we use tax strategists. We really work hard to help our investors maximize everything that they can have to make that investment, not only pencil at 17%, 22%, 30% on return, but also provide intangible benefits in tax benefits that aren't necessarily calculated in any of that. So, Shannon, uh, you said you're willing to share your information. Uh, uh, if the audience, uh, if anybody is listening and wants to get a hold of you, how, do, how would they uh, get in contact with you? You know, the easiest way to do that is just at shannonrobnet.com. Uh, there you can see projects we've got under construction, past projects, returns. You can even uh, see live action cameras that are on our job sites. 
you can get to my schedule. Uh, you can book a call. Love to chat with you, kind of figure out where you're at, what I can do to help you improve. Um, anything I can do. I love educating people and helping people truly understand the, the wealth building capacity that real estate has. Really appreciate that. Shannon, Rob, that, uh, stay with us. I'm going to spend a couple of minutes here talking about Pacific Private Money. And we have three different funds. Uh, I manage the Southwest Fund. We're paying 8.5%, not not 17%, 8.5%. Uh, uh, but it is, uh, it's, it's a fixed rate of return and it's backed by the real estate. We're just like a bank except we're buying discounted notes. Uh, the fund that we were talking off air is called uh, the Opportunity Fund. Uh, Shane and I were talking about because that one specializes in construction loans. And that starts off paying 8% at, with a target of around 10 to 12%. Uh, and boy, I tell you, we you know what the kind of returns you're getting, Shannon, uh, I, I would think that we would uh, definitely hit the uh, 10% plus range as the uh, as a debt holder. Uh, Absolutely. The Opportunity Fund. So for more information on that, you can go to PacificPrivateMoney.com. Check uh, out all the various uh, funds that we have, see if it's uh, of interest to you. Also, we do a lot of work with Scottsdale Mortgage uh, Investments, and they buy discounted mortgages, uh, and people can buy one-offs, so they don't have to invest millions of dollars. They could start off investing, you know, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars, um, and pick off a specific loan. But uh, you can get in touch with us uh, at PacificPrivateMoney.com. All right, here's our thoughts for the day. You ready? Uh, why don't mummies take time off? Because they're uh, they're un- they're afraid to unwind. Yeah. All right. And uh, and I can tell when people are being judgmental just by looking at them. <laughs> I like that. Okay, good. You got to be our guest again. I, I thought, I thought, you know, but up on team. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody loves a good dad joke. There you go. That's I'm the I'm the dad specialty joke. All right. Tune in next week to the best of investing. We're going to be giving away more free prizes for answering trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Brown. Wishing you the best of investing. So long. You've been listening to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. And join us again next week for The Best of Investing on 860 AM. The Answer. This radio broadcast is in no way an offer to sell securities except where applicable in states where we are registered or where an exemption or exclusion from such registration exists. Information discussed during this broadcast, whether stock quotes, charts, articles, or any other statement or statements regarding market or other financial information is obtained from sources which we believe are reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of this information. Nothing in this broadcast should be interpreted to state or imply that past results are an indication of future performance. There are no warranties expressed or implied as to accuracy, completeness, or results obtained from this broadcast.